Good morning, everybody. It's Caitlin. I am solo for this intro. Sarah is super momming and has had quite the week with her kids. <laughs> so I am here solo to talk about this atypical episode we have. For those of you guys that know Luke, I've had a lot of people be like, get him on the podcast. And he's been very reluctant to do so, but I'm always joking like, oh, she's the boss, but also he is the boss. <laughs> and if you're in any true partnership, we know that um, behind a very successful woman is also an incredibly successful man and vice versa, right? So uh, we were downstairs, we were in the kitchen and Sarah and I started talking like we typically do before we record. And Luke is there almost all the time when we have guests arrive and he takes our photos and um, get some content and stuff like that. But he was obviously chiming into the conversation about starting up a business. And Sarah and I look at each other and we're like, okay, today's the day you're coming on the podcast. And he rallied. And I really appreciate it because he's been so resistant to coming on because he hates attention. He doesn't like to be in the limelight or anything like that. And so Somehow we finally got him on. Um, but I will just say, and this might be somewhat cringy to you guys, but uh, he is like my total anchor. I have these big ideas and he is so amazing with the details and the planning. And he is the most loyal, hardworking man I know and just does things with such conviction. And I just admire that so incredibly much. And I just, I just really like this guy. <laughs> I really am so incredibly grateful that he is my husband and my partner and um, an amazing leader and that we now get to hang out together because he's finally here and doesn't belong to the army anymore. So um, we really enjoyed this episode and hopefully he'll pop back in and then we'll get Sarah's husband on here at some point, Brandon, because he has really awesome ideas as well. So what's really cool is that we talk about the foundations of starting up a business. And if in, if you're in either the first year of your business or you're just starting up, this is really what Sarah helps people with, uh, with her business on core solutions. They do a lot of help with the logistical, how you start up a business, because that can be really overwhelming and scary. You have this idea and you want it to come to fruition, but you're like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? And that's where Sarah comes in. So she's been developing a, a business foundations course that we're so excited to bring to you guys at our next She's the Boss Social, which will be March 1st, 9.30 to 11.30 at Encore. Tickets are on sale for that now. You can find them in the show notes or on our Instagram. And it's really for business owners who are either brand, brand new, starting up, just to have an idea to people who have been in business for about a year. So if that is you, definitely join us for this social. You will learn a lot from Sarah. And we have, you know, about a decade under our belts with our current businesses. So we have a few things that we can share if you're just starting out. So we are very excited for that. And I am honored and happy and excited to bring to you this episode and give you a little glimpse into Luke and I starting the school. And we hope you get something out of it. So without further ado, my uh, hunk of a husband, the love of my life, enjoy Luke.
I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's the Boss. We have Luke on. How we talked you into this, we don't know, but here you are. It's because... Our guest this morning had to reschedule, mm-hmm. and so we just decided to throw some things together with you and I, and there we were in the kitchen, and Luke just has all these things to, that he contributes. Luke, you got to put it this direction, the microphone. Like an ice cream cone. Can you not hear me now? Yeah, but you're not going to talk like a sexy <laughs> voice the whole time, are you? <laughs> or are you? <laughs> oh, can you hear me? I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I should leave. <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> the secrets uh, I mean, to this being is married. Talk morning sexy. routine. Yeah, yeah. We should just record. <laughs> well, that'd be weird. I was gonna say we could just That's record in our bed with <laughs> no. our coffee. This is basically what we talk about all the time. I was gonna say you've already talked about the bed. <laughs> oh, on the podcast. I know. Your yes. Remote Hi- bed. Highly recommend. Okay. So we have Luke on because we were downstairs talking. We asked opinions about what people would want us to talk about to help them with their business. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments was about getting started and finances and all of these things. And Luke freely shares his opinion. (laughs) I mean, always. we said, well, not always, but he freely shared his opinion down in the kitchen. And we said, you have to come on and just say that because I mean, it really was very clear. That's what I love about Luke and my husband's the same way. I'm like, how you just said that is exactly <laughs> that's why you just ha- say it. Hold on, let me record that because <laughs> so instead we're just going to record you saying it because um, it was really good. And well, we talked about how sometimes females communicate in a very flowery, fluffy way, and the and it's act- confusing. Yeah, the because, actual <laughs> because the actual message is not in there, or it's like a piece of it yeah. is in one sentence, and then a piece of it's in. You know, three minutes later. Or, you didn't get that? or the pressure of someone like me that likes communicating clearly. And then I get called a bitch because sure. it's too clear, not enough fluff. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm like that. How many exclamation points do I put? <laughs> Am yeah. I enthusiastic enough? Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Especially in text. It's like, wow, this mm-hmm. can be read a lot of different ways. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. I guess I don't really pull punches, but I. I also, I'll be honest, I'm feeling really awkward right now. I've never (laughs) been on a microphone, and uh, I feel like I'm, like, on stage in front of a bunch of people. (laughs) You are. Yeah, I'm starting to sweat. (laughs) This was much easier when it was just the three of us. I know. We'll have to wear wires. Yeah. We just wire ourselves before we have these conversations so you can be in there. Yeah. I don't know if that's appropriate. I mean, (laughs) I feel like a lot of things are going to have to be taken out. It's okay. So one of the questions and well, it was like five questions, but really referring to business startups. And we were talking about business startups and how so many people just want to jump right in and expect it to be this big business with growth and finances all pouring in right from the beginning. And that's not how it works. No. And our story was, you know, Caitlin and I work full time, you know, and all of our excess money basically went into the business, right? And so the idea that <clears throat> you're going to start and you're going to be in a place where somebody that's been working at it for 10, maybe 15 years is at, right? Like the 
the keeping up with the Joneses, right? The idea that everybody, oh, I've got to be successful when right now, like that's not, it's not really how it works. I mean, at least that wasn't how it worked for us. I'm sure there's, you know, some internet sensations or, you know, you have, what was that guy with the rotisserie chicken? You know, he's got the, <laughs> you know, the one like, uh, oh God, what was it? Anyways, I, I Are you talking it. about the chicken place back home? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm talking about the infomercial guy, you know, with the, the perfect chicken, Oh, like that one in a million ideas. Oh, oh. no, I don't know. No. But anyways, my point is like, if you don't have that one in a million idea where you can all of a sudden get all these investors and you're this salesman that could, you know, that could pitch it and sell it and convince people of your dream, um, then the reality is most people are just going to have to work extremely hard. Long hours, sacrifice, sacrifice, right? Take all of their extra income into and put it into a thing that's quite honestly going to realistically operate in the red for a few years, right? And like, if you're not prepared for that, then you know why do so many startups fail? It's because they didn't have a plan leading into it. They didn't plan, or or maybe they did, but their plan wasn't realistic, right? It didn't take into account how much it was actually going to cost. And I don't know, like. For us, we put all of our money into it, and I was working full-time in the Army, and she was working full-time for Tony Robbins for years yeah. while the thing was getting off the, off the ground. And it wasn't until a few years in that we finally said, okay, well, we can, we can dump enough assets to pay off all this stuff and you know, have her move from pay, a job that was paying pretty well mm -hmm. into a job that's barely operating in the black at this point. Well, um, I didn't even take a paycheck in the beginning. Right. For like mm -hmm. the first couple of years, I, I think. Was, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't pay myself at the beginning. Right. Yeah, and I was solo. You left to Afghanistan, then the, the Korea school, the back to back. Was right after Afghanistan, so uh, in, in 15, because I got back in 14. So, yeah. Anyway, in, in, you left for like a year. And I was solo with two kids and working Tony Robbins and running the school yeah. and then left Tony Robbins. And I was legitimately like covering in classrooms and running aftercare and teaching the elementary program at one point, <laughs> which I was not entirely qualified for, but right, you but that figure was, it out you do because what you it's, gotta do. Well, it's completely on your shoulders. You right. have no choice. So the expectation should be, yeah, I'm going to, First of all, before you even start a business, the expectation has to be set with you and your family of like, what are we going to sacrifice and what is it going to cost legitimately to get this thing going? Because you do have this bigger picture in your mind of five, 10 years down the road, but you have to be willing to sacrifice up front and figure out what that actually looks like to set realistic expectations in the beginning. We knew all of our money was going to go to that. Yeah. And it had basically already been accounted for, right? Like, Every investment that we had made up until that point got sold off to put into the school, um, you know, and which is kind of crazy. And mm -hmm. on top of it, you know, the opportunity, <laughs> you know, you got to take into account the opportunity loss. Like, what is it that you're willing to sacrifice? Well, how much money were you making in the other job and how much room for growth was there in the other job? So you're taking not only are you taking a step back, but you're losing the opportunities that would have presented themselves within that other business. Um, you know, and my income was basically set, right? Like, okay, I make this much. It's, you know, government pay. This is what you get. Um, 
but anything else that would have came about as well, you're saying like, okay, well, I have to say no to all these things, right? Any other business. Um, and I can't remember. Did you have Jane Nash at that time? Jane Nash started in 16? Yeah. So you 17? Were, you, I mean, 16 was when, when you switched over was that fall because that was when I was in Korea. Yep. So it would have been about the same time, right? So then, <laughs> yeah, so just start another business. Yeah, um, at the same time. At the same time that you're really getting your other business off the ground. Great plan. Right, as well as being e. a single mom and, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and all the other things. So I, the idea that, you know, you could step into it like, yeah, is it possible? Sure. Is it probable that it's going to work out? I mean, I guess that depends on how much effort you're willing to put, but if you're just looking at it as like, oh, this is just going to be my job and I'm going to be the boss and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do other things on the outside to put back into this business. You know, I, I don't know if that's realistic. Can we talk about really quick too, like that you have a little bit of a different story and how it, your business started, but I'm thinking back to when we were like, oh yeah, let's start a school. And which seemed kind of like a crazy idea in the moment. And I'm still shocked that you said, yes, let's do this. <laughs> because <laughs> as we all know, Luke is the anchor that drags behind Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the self-described anchor. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it was one of those things. How did I say yes? Uh, because I knew we could do it. Um, and... I knew that I didn't want our kids to go to public school in the area. And I knew that, um, you know, we had the resources to put into it. And so, you know, it's like anything like, okay, we made the plan and said, we have the resources and we have the ability, um, you know, and we spent hours and hours and days, you know, planning. Um, and so I, I guess, yeah. But I, here's here's the thing you're leaving out. There was a need, right? There was a problem in the community that uh, oh, you guys sure. were solving. Yeah. And so when people are wanting to start a business, they have to look at that like, oh, I have this great idea. Yeah. But is there a need for that or not? And right. a, enough people don't look at that. And some people that are kind of running a business on the side, which a school is a little bit different because you're not going to run a school school out of your house that'd be a little well, some people do so, so, like a you know a daycare and, and like actually, a daycare but you know that's actually a viable way to start some things right is you know expansion especially if you're if you're by yourself now it happened to be with us that you know there was the other school that was closing right and so we already knew um of people that had the need for the exact same thing um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, starting in your house to me is where it could be, you know, kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about having a bunch of kids like, you know, <laughs> like just, you don't know how you'd feel. I do know how you I do feel. Know I, how could, you I feel. couldn't handle it. Like it's my safe space. I, I, would, I couldn't do it, you know, but that's, that's a personal problem. That's, but if, you know you could very well start a small school out of your house. And there's plenty of people that do. And actually, I think what was the, there was some statistic that came out that there's a huge portion of early education and childcare that happens out of the home within mm -hmm. North Carolina, right? Like there, this is a known thing. Um, and so 
I think you could, you know, you would just have to get creative. And the, the hard part is when you start that small in that kind of an industry, how do you expand, right? You can expand where it's in your house. So you have a maximum occupancy there. Um, and so it would be, it would be difficult to scale, uh, out of your house, right? Unless you had another job or somebody else had another job in your family that could start putting towards, you know, renting out a space and then, you know, future buying a space, which I guess is all, you know, it would depend on your wait list, really. So what I'm hearing is that you should have realistic expectations, but you can also have goals and plans to make it grow. But like, you've got to be self-aware of what you're able to do within your current capacity and finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can't over, you know, people get into trouble, right? Because they want to, they want the demand to meet their space versus their space meeting their demand. Um, I think in, in, you know, rent's expensive. Like there's a reason why, you know, a lot of places don't, you know, they're, they're million dollar buildings, multi-million dollar buildings, right? Who owns the building? How much is rent? What's that space worth? What happens when, I mean, remember at the, the, uh, the last school, you know, they doubled the rent overnight and you're operating close to the margins maybe. Um, and then all of a sudden you're out of a building. And if that's the space that your clientele knows you for, right? Cause we're talking childcare, but if it's like a retail building, what mm-hmm. happens when they double your rent overnight and your store moves? Are the people even going to know that you exist anymore? Or is it like, I, and I don't know, I don't have that kind of a business, but I, yeah, I couldn't that, imagine that being an easy transition. Right. And all that has to be thought about beforehand. And that's why, how you determine how you're going to set your prices. Like what, what am I going to have to prepare for? What cushion am I going to need? And like for us, when we were looking for a building for our first location, where we're located right now was one and a half times the price than if I would have gone up the street to Spring Lake. Mm-hmm. So I could have gone and gotten rent for, yeah way cheaper but i'm like that's not where the need is these people if they're going to drive there they may as well drive to fayetteville to a place that's already well known and established like you have to weigh out all of those things and so for me i'm like okay to pay the rent i need to teach x number of students that will cover the rent well but you start in your house first you built a clientele in your house who trusted you, who loved what you offered. You built a rapport with. And had a wait list. As I was say, how healthy mm-hmm. was your wait list? Because we go through this all the time, right? Where we say, okay, in order to justify expansion, you and I say this, we say this all the time, but this is a constant conversation when we want to talk about programs. Um, you know, what was your wait list like? How many people did you have to say no to before you could expand and justify and hire the staff and have the overhead of the building? new insurance, all the things that go along uh, with that. Well, and I had 40 kids on the wait list and I didn't need to teach mine plus the 40 to cover the rent. So I knew I could immediately serve all those people in this space 
And my husband would say yes because we had little kids coming in our house. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and I can't, scene. I can't do this. I'm not coming home from work. And Yeah, our floor yeah. plan there too. So like you'd walk in the front door and to the right, there was a sitting room where I had my piano, my violin, all the music stands, everything. But you had to walk through that sitting room to get to our bedroom. So he'd come oh, home from work geez. and want to go like into our bedroom to change, use the bathroom, shower, whatever. Relax. Yeah, and you can't. Being quiet. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you he spent a lot of time sitting in parking lots. Of <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I can go he home. Says, we'll have to ask Brandon. He says, I More like gonna, Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is how I'll escape. But I volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> spent a lot of time there. But that is, you know, I don't know for you guys, if you talked about that before to say like, yes, this is a sacrifice we're willing to make in mm-hmm. order to have the lifestyle style of homeschooling our kids and doing these things. Well, and that's how we set the parameters. Okay, what times are we okay with me doing this? Mm-hmm. And then for how many hours a week are we okay? Okay, two days a week, I can sacrifice not coming home and being able to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So right. it was like two days a week. But then when we decided to start up, I'm like, okay, let me meet with the contractors, the you know, um, building owner, all of these people. How much is this going to cost? Okay, how can I raise that money? What can I do to raise the money? Not I didn't I didn't start by hiring a marketing person and hiring a website designer. No, because all that costs a bunch of money. All it costs a bunch of money. You have to do it yourself. Like you have to Or at least you're gonna have to flex, you know, or sprint or whatever you want to call it for the time to raise the required funds to expand, right? And so did you guys like increase your program at the house in order to raise more funds? Or did you just keep saving and kind of do it that way? So for us, our projected opening date was fall. So I started in March registering students for fall. So you have so a, the exact same thing we did. Yeah. yeah. So you have a registration fee. Yep. So you immediately yep. get the registration fee up front. And then... I did summer camps out of a different location, out of a church. So I had all of the income from summer camps, but I was running the summer camps. Baby on my hip, teaching Disney, you know, songs and musical theater songs and dances. And I mean, there I am with all my kids. I'm the one doing it. And I brought in an additional staff member because there was such a demand for it. So I was able to go ahead and pay someone else to help me. But that's what I had to do to, but sometimes, but sometimes that makes sense, right? If, if it's a ratio deal and you say, okay, well they bring in X amount and we have the capacity and I have to pay employee X amount, then, you know, the rest is, you know, it's, it's yours as a business owner. And so that, that makes sense. Was Brandon around during all this or was No, no. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I don't know if it was easier sometimes for the chaos to be happening when I was gone. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I didn't feel the obligation to also spend time with you. You didn't didn't have to be a wife on top of (laughs) being a business owner. Yeah. I know that probably sounds kind of terrible, but it's like another thing to add to your plate. And when you don't have to wear that hat, you can devote your attention to the chaos that's ensuing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely easier for me. Like, oh. Is it though? Would it be easier for me to be like, oh my God, this thing is going on, blah, 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 while you're n- not even within proximity to help and you feel. Well, I think, you know, there's other types of help without physical presence, right? Like how many spreadsheets did we, you know what I mean? Like how much um, intellectual work happens outside of the physical thing yeah. that you're doing, right? 
And and I don't think that the hard part is if you're signing papers or something, but you know, well, like, I mean, from like a feelings perspective, <laughs> like well, because you are very much, uh, you want to create solutions. You want to like, you know, it's just part of who you are. So it's hard for me to hear about things going wrong without being able to do anything. It does make you feel kind of impotent. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just sit on my hands over here in the <laughs> country and hopefully it all goes well. And do your other job where you're like in, you know, do, yeah, doing yeah. stuff, things stuff. <laughs> to things. devote your attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't remember that much about it. I remember the conversations about selling the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was, you know, but that's what I say. Like that was part of some of that, right? Like I had to figure out how to do that from overseas, which was kind of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that and kind of just discussing the financials and going over spreadsheets and knowing that we were taking a hit and not, and I guess that's the hardest part is not knowing what's coming. Right. Because you can kind of guess like, okay, well here's where we are now and we can project increases. Right. But until it actually comes to fruition, you don't, you can't really count on it. You can count on the budget you have right now. And really you can't even count on that. Right. Because what happens when there's a downturn and you got to count on, you know, you've got or you've got to assume that we need to be able to survive with, say, a 25 percent downturn. Right. And then it starts getting scary. You're like, OK, well, how much money do I have? How long can we survive like that? Um, this is why we're such a good pair, yeah. because I'm like risk. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like risk assessment. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Well, yeah. And and then not putting yourself in a, you know, because the business is your livelihood. Right. Like, sure. But. We both had other, you know, I was still active duty and you had your other job. So giving that up was another layer, but not wanting to sink yourself personally, right? Because that's why the business is under an LLC. You say, okay, well, we're, we're putting everything into this thing, but if it goes sideways, what's our, you know, what's our escape plan kind of, and you know, the problem with pulling out personal debt to support, you know, because up until that point, we say, okay, well, we can, we can do this based on investments and and some debt, but where's that cutoff with how much am I willing to leverage my own personal assets for the business assets? And if it does turn like, you know, like many people saw during say COVID uh, where you had 50 year centers closing overnight, right? Like never to reopen their doors. Um, you know, how much personal risk are you willing to put towards that thing? And so that's the, I think that's the part that's hardest for me to get over is saying, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, if everything else goes sideways, what level of this, you know, is what, what level of this risk can we accept and not count on the rest of this income coming in? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we would find other jobs and do other stuff, but that's, I think that was probably the part that kept me up most, especially when I'm not there and I'm not able to see what's actually going on. You know, I, I feel like being there in the vicinity or in the building um, makes a difference. But for sure, you guys as a family had to make sacrifices. Like you're sitting here saying you sold a house, like you yeah, sold it was an income sold... generating property. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hard pill to swallow. Right. Because, <laughs> because it, <laughs> like that would have made us money, you know, and then that's where you talk about opportunity costs, right? How much is that property worth now? 
right? Because I had to calculate. Uh, that. Freaking don't lie. think about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, and, and, and so, but you don't think, or you know, you then you have to think about okay, that versus what we have now. Which one is you know is better? And it was a decision in the moment to say okay, um, which one is has the potential to you know because we're not we weren't looking at like hey making a quick buck and you know remodeling the kitchen or. You know, like, hey, how can we get this thing together to have this luxury item, right? Like, I, I don't put much stock into some of that stuff, right? I drive a 30-year-old truck, and, <laughs> and I force Caitlin to drive. <laughs> uh, you the know, Prius. So, the Prius, which is great, but, you it's know. It's just great. Um, <laughs> it's great. Everything's fine. It's, <laughs> we just keep swimming. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but, you know trying to figure out the, you know, as far as like the asset goes, which one's going to appreciate more, which one's going to bring us in more income. Um, and it is hard giving up an asset that's like guaranteed, you know, cause I mean, hell that house, I think the mortgage there in, in, in Oceanside was like 1300, $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you look at it now cause it was just continuing to tick up, you know, it's like, Oh God. We talked about this house. Yeah. On a recent episode. We just did this too, to last year. We sold two income prop income generating yeah. properties. Yep. It's like they're getting, you know, you're always going to be able to rent out a property in Fayetteville with the military yep. and you're getting monthly income. But yeah, you just got to weigh, weigh out the options. We decided to buy the building that we're in downtown Southern Pines. Right. So I'm like, hmm, property wise, what's the better investment? These are rental houses that are bringing in, you know, a few hundred a month. Or owning a building, prime real estate, downtown Southern Pines with a parking lot, and then you have to look ahead towards the future. Well, later, if I ever wanted to sell right. that, that's millions, mm-hmm. not hundreds. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like, And so you just got to make those calls about what the sacrifice is going to be. And yeah. Right. And, and, you know, and you don't... you. You know, we can we can think. Luckily, there where you're at, they're not making any more. You know, there's there's no more real estate to be had, right? Right. You're <laughs> seeing what's happening. They're tearing down old buildings and putting up new ones. Um, and yeah, so, did you see they tore down that? I mean, I'm I'm sure you did that house. Yeah, I know. Yeah, an investor bought it, and they're putting like more apartments. Mm-hmm. Right. There. And it's not within the historic district, so they can't. Mm-hmm. They Even can do kind of whatever they want. Home. It was like in this weird, we talked to Leslie about it. It was in this weird spot where it's like, it's a historic home, but since it's not in the historic district within the town or the national historic registry or something, something, Mm -hmm. it's in this weird little gray area. They just came and tore it down. They're going to put three-story high rise. Yep. Because that's where the money is, right? Like, what are you going to do? That's progress, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is like what? Two blocks from you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no one else has a parking lot. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sarah. I thought I'd be so excited about having a parking lot one day. Hey, Freaking you guys just talked lots. about your parking lot. Oh my too. gosh, because that was one of the things at the very end of building that we were hoping we could get away with a gravel parking lot. And there's Luke every day. I was just telling this story to who? Oh, it was Catrice. I was saying, you gotta just show up at the county offices, the planning division and just keep checking on all your paperwork and stuff. There was Luke every single day would show up at Harnett County planning yep. offices. Like they were probably like, oh. hey. no, you would be very nice. No, you made I, friends and like, are you friendly? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, everybody should read that book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Um, because 
you know, there, there are things that you can do. If you can convince somebody else that they're helping you, like legitimately helping you, and they probably are, people are more likely to, I think, help you, right? Because you say, oh, hey, I need this thing, and I can't do it without you. Like, and, and you, you have, you know, basically my future in your hands, you know, and whether or not you help me. And I think a lot of people, you know, um, as long as you're not a dick about it, right? Like, you're not running in there demanding and telling people how much they suck at their job. I think if you can build that rapport. It's not like the army. No, you're not. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. the real world. Yeah, yeah right. Or but, the DMV. <laughs> Well, and, you know, don't do it there either. But but you're saying it like it's just me. You made a re- you create a relationship with the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a lot of you know behind the scenes um, stuff for us, right? When the when the DOT was non responsive, right? Who did we go to? We went to the people that we created relationships with, and we created those relationships by showing up and talking to them, yeah. and saying we need help. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's how it benefits the community you know, and you're the person, you're the girl, you're the guy that can, that can make this happen. Can you please help us? Um, and also being willing to, you know, to go the extra mile to do the things, right? When someone say like, Hey, I need you. Yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. I need you to do this. I would go do it. And I'd show up the next day with the thing and say, Oh, okay. I, I, I did this. Is this right? You know? And, and, I think the the relationship building portion of that is important, especially in a small town, right? Because, you know, Lillington, like you you see the same ladies have been working in some of those places for years, right? Mm -hmm. And you see them over and over again, Um, you know, and and there's not that much change, right? Everybody knows everybody. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing about this town, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and so at least up there it worked out, and yeah, and you just have to... And even for the, the people that don't want to help you, right? The ones that won't show up, that won't have a meeting. I think that, you know, after a while, um, they realize that the only way to get rid of you, if that is their mindset, is to give you what you want, right? Because if I keep showing up day after day and saying, like, and, and not being a dick about it, right? And just saying, like, hey, man, like, I need help and I'm still here, and everybody keeps telling me that you're the office that can help me, um, you know, then eventually, even if they don't want to, a lot of times they'll begrudgingly do it just to get rid of you. Mm -hmm. Especially if you incorporate other people in that circle, and you say, oh, well, I talked to so-and-so, and and I talked to so-and-so, and they're in your circle, and they said, you're the guy that does this. You know what I mean? Because then there's some of that peer pressure saying, like, okay, well, this guy likes you enough to give you my name, so maybe I'll I'll help you out. And and I'm not saying it always works, right? Because with the DOT, it didn't. Well, it did eventually because the, we the commissioner. Well, the commissioner, but then the senator. Yep. <laughs> like we were just very persistent yeah. and talked a lot about the community and the things we were doing in the community, and that's obviously on the forefront for them. Um. I don't think people realize they can like directly contact their yeah. politicians. Yeah. I don't think people know that. Yeah. And and I think also when people, you know, I, I don't think people are very persistent, right? Like, again, the idea that you're going to send a strongly worded email once to somebody and that they're going to, you know, jump out of their seat to fix your problem is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like, no, no, no. 
you're going to have to keep going back and remind them, you know, how many times have people told me things and I'm like, Hey, the next day, did you want me to do something for you? Right. And I'm just one guy that I, you know, I work for, you know, myself, essentially, I don't work for the public. Um, so the idea that they're going to remember you and that you're going to be forefront in their mind to fix your problem is kind of ridiculous. Or that they have any buy-in on what you're doing, right? right? Like if you're just some person trying to start up a business and you're like, hey, I really need this permit. Please get back to me as soon as possible. They have zero buy-in on what you're doing, how it affects the community, who you are, anything like that. When you show up face-to-face, it's a whole different story, especially if you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you share a little bit about what you're doing, but this goes back to the whole conversation about having conviction. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't be persistent. If we've already talked about like your whole family is sacrificing finances. But some people don't even get to that point where you sit down with your spouse and your whole family and you say, these are the things that we want and these are the goals here's what we're going to have to say no to in the interim Mm -hmm. is everybody on board with that not that your kids really have a say but like you know this is what our life is going to look like right i don't think people even don't ever get that far sometimes well yeah and what is the saying the difference between a dream and a goal is a plan so you know you can daydream about being you know future you right being this big successful whatever Right. But if you don't have a plan to get there and the plan, you know, isn't flexible enough to deal with the realities of the unknown, um, then, you know, you're just daydreaming, which, you know, I don't know. I daydream all the time, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm a millionaire. It just means that. Yeah, I but you don't daydream about being a millionaire. No, but, you know, like <laughs> you daydream about like being in the woods on your tractor <laughs> with a million dollars of land. Oh, it's a million dollars of land. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mil- real estate millionaire, but with no houses. <laughs> just, just land. land. Just, land. <laughs> just land in a tractor. In silence, yeah. Yes, but I don't think people silence. get that far and then have the conviction enough to actually have a plan for whatever reason. It's too scary. I'm not willing to actually sacrifice these things. I want to keep my lifestyle the way that it is, and I want to have this super successful business. And oftentimes, you can't have it all. You have to say no to something. You have to sacrifice something. You have to say, no, we're not going to eat out, buy Starbucks, go on these vacations. Have a new car. Have a new car because our money is being put into this thing that is going to give us this dream. Mm -hmm. But unless you do that, you wouldn't even make it to the point where you're going to be persistent enough with the people that can help you because you haven't been willing to sacrifice anything else. Right. And so many people throw in the towel just way too early. Yeah. <laughs> just, but if they're doing that early, it's almost a blessing because what would they do when they get in the really hard oh, nitty they, gritty? They would go bankrupt. Right. Right. Because they didn't have a, I mean, I shouldn't say they didn't have a plan, but maybe they, their plan wasn't a realistic plan. Right. Like who's, who's the one poking holes in their plan, right? Like who's, you are. who sits there and just tells them that won't work. That you won't are. Work. That won't work. <laughs> That's you. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's, you know, by nature, I'm, I know. you know, unfortunately. But not everybody has a you mm-hmm. counterpart mm-hmm. or, you know, for me, a Brandon counterpart. Yeah. That's why I think the three main things. People but you can't seek that out. Right. You can. But that's, you have to be willing to listen to that person. Yeah. That's why you hire a business consultant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why you hire Sarah. That's She'll why poke you holes in your plan. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but that's not going to work. Um, 
but I think that's the three main things that like, if you're talking about what am I going to put money in up front, it's yes, a business consultant, you have to put money in the things that will end up saving you money and not costing you more later. An attorney, mm-hmm. a, a business consultant, a um, CPA. Oh yeah. Like the, if I'm like, okay, what are going to be, what's the most important things I need to put money in? Those are the things, because if you don't have an attorney, you're going to lose a lot. If you don't have a CPA, you're going to lose a lot. I did not put money into a CPA my first two years of business, except when it went time to file my taxes. Mm-hmm. Then when I hired Justine, she was like, oh my gosh, you lost out on this. This next tax return, you get another $15,000 back. Holy yeah. crap. If I would have just hired her from the beginning, I could have been getting that during my first two years of me not paying myself and possibly could have been paying myself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like the idea of building a house without, you know, plans that were signed off by an engineer. Like, would you do that? No. So why not? Well, because they're the professionals. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and maybe somebody could. And there are actually, I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of people that could manage to figure it out. The question is, what is your time worth, right? Especially if you're starting this enterprise. Like, if you don't have money and you have time, then maybe you can research enough to get by without it. Um. But if you need to spend that time creating, you know, revenue within the business, then you might not, it might not be prudent to spend your time and your effort and your brain power, you know, um, or your spouses, uh, you know, figuring all this stuff out. And you're still going to make mistakes, right? Like, either way, you're making mistakes. Um, but, you know, how much how much is that really costing you right when you break it down and you say okay well i could have taught you know three more classes a week rather than researching how to be a cpa and that would have brought an x amount of money and um i wouldn't have made all these mistakes that you know maybe i maybe i averted half of the mistakes because i read but you know how what was the opportunity cost there by trying to pretend like you're a professional in a profession that you're not right and you know, and yeah, I think, or and something I, that you suck at and don't like, right? Well, you know, just, like I sure I could spend a lot of time reading about that stuff, but I don't enjoy that, and that's not where like my superpower skill set is. So why would you do that? Bring in somebody else who's brings that skill set to the table, right? Well, and just like me with teaching, it's like I really liked teaching, but it was taking me away from the business things that I enjoyed even more. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I started the business, I was like, Ooh, I really like this part of it. And it was hard for me to step back from teaching. But yeah, when, I mean, when we first opened, just like you're in the elementary classroom, if someone calls out, guess who's there, right? It's the owner. I'm like, sure. I can teach drums. Never held a drum stick <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but well, I'm but... musical. Well, they're like three and four. We're like, yeah, you just tap, tap that thing. <laughs> I was like, tap, let's tap, go over tap. reading. Uh, quarter notes and eighth notes. Like you just make it, you just have to make it work and you step up. It doesn't matter what the role is. You are the janitor. You cannot hire a cleaning person. I still don't have a cleaning person. And I mean, I probably should. Yeah. At a certain point you should uh, pay somebody to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, what's your time worth, right? Right. Because because you could be spending. And even if not, you know, we're at a, we're at a place that even if you say I do it because I don't want to spend the money on it, but what are you building, right? Like you're building freedom. And if you're a slave to the, you know, to the minutia, to the trivial, I don't want to say call trivial jobs, right? Because there are jobs that need to happen. But 
to the jobs that could be hired out and give somebody else an opportunity to make some money, is that really worth it to not spend that hour or two hours with your kids or hell, just relaxing by yourself and regenerating, right? And recharging the batteries. Um, because, you know, unless you really like it, like there's jobs that I won't sub out because I really enjoy doing them, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but then there's some jobs that I won't do. Well, <laughs> like I hate, as y'all know, social media, but I don't sub it out because it's not our primary form of getting customers and making income. Yeah. Like I'm not going, it's like, it's good enough. You have to decide what stuff is good enough too. And when it's yeah. And if you didn't have a wait list or you really needed to market in a new innovative way, maybe you would then divert your attention to that and that would become a priority and you would outsource it or whatever. Right. So yeah, it's like your priorities have priorities, right? <laughs> Just like our time blocking work. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah it, it's like, well, it's like the billboard for us, right? Like mm -hmm. we kept paying for it. Why? Because it had always been there. I know and we that, had a billboard for what, like for years, seven years, maybe. Yeah. And, and, it, and then it, the question was, you know, we started doing all the surveys of, you know, Hey, how'd you hear from us? And did like, any, like literally, I don't even think anybody said, said billboard. And billboard? I was like, why do we pay for this right. every month? This, is, this dumb. is expensive. Yeah. Right? And it's, and it's, and it's a form of, um, advertising that's into in the modern age. I don't want to say it's, you know, it's not worth it because maybe in some places it is. But that's not where people go to, you know, look for child is on a billboard on the side of the highway. Like that's, right. that's not and that's where the they're thing, looking. Assessing where your funds are going because you've already always done it that way doesn't mean that it's still the best way to do it. But it was always just budgeted like billboard mm -hmm. advertising this much money. And right. so I knew that it was doing that. But we had never really done the assessment until two years ago of like, how much is this actually generating for us? Yeah. Right. Just like credit card companies, when they send you this stuff in the mail... Like, do, does it really make them money? Right. Why are you still sending me all these offers? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many people are like, oh, I got this offer in the mail. I, I and think I'm it's a so holdover excited. from, you know, I don't want to say they're targeting boomers, but I, I think that they're targeting the older generation that's still, you know, after so many years, it's hardwired. This is how you do business. And eventually will it go away? Sure. But n I mean... I mean, I, I use the mailing labels they send with stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when like, you oh, like, thanks. I was almost out of mailing labels. When you yeah, save, a save a kitty or kitty. something. Yeah. <laughs> St. Jude's Children Hospital. <laughs> Come on, yeah. hospital. Oh, sorry, I can't speak. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I know. <laughs> so we around the holidays get so many pieces of mail that's like, save this cow that fell off the back of a feed <laughs> truck or whatever. And Luke is like, if you save another kitten, I am going to freak out. And he like starts like tossing the mail on the They're counter. They're relentless. I mean, this is like seven years have gone by since she saved a sheep for her mom and, you know, in Africa. And and they won't stop in it, and they're these huge packets. I'm like Jesus. They were like, stop! If you stop sending us this stuff, maybe you'd save some more money, and you could right. save another no, baby kitten. No, that's not the business plan because what they're doing is they're guilting you into doing I it. Know. They sent you all these things, and they pull on the heartstrings. And heart Caitlin strings, falls for it. I like, know. No, I don't. I don't even open them because I can't. I can't see that cute little kitty face. What if you opened it and it was like Sarah McLaughlin? playing this <laughs> I will remember <laughs> and then I would be like $50 yeah. save the kitty well I mean yeah. and you know if that's your thing that's your thing 
Um, but you know, it's part of their business model. Right. They wouldn't do it if it didn't work. Uh-huh. You know, somebody is signing up for those things and somebody is feeling guilty enough that because they sent you a free something that they're going to do that. And by all means, if, if that's your, you know, if that's your thing and you feel the conviction to send money to those organizations, fine. But I'm not. But you don't. <laughs> but you're not. You know, like I mean, listen, you 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 know, you see the things, right? And if I'm going to send money somewhere, it's probably going to be saving humans. Well, and some, <laughs> you know, like there's a, yeah. there's enough horrible things happening to where uh, it's like, okay, yeah, I got it. This one beef cow. Now he lives a wonderful life, mm-hmm. but there's some child starving in a ditch somewhere. Right. It's just like, how do you? Prioritize. Yeah, prioritize mm-hmm. your giving, right? And then it has to be, to me, it has to be a little more well thought out than just, oh, you sent me a thing. In and, the mail, and which it, you have yeah. enough money to send that stuff in the mail. So mm-hmm. you probably don't really, I do everything on the local level, like yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. Just helping within the community. But, um, okay, back to what we were saying. Yep. Though. So I think initially starting out, people may not have told you, we we heard about you from the billboard. Like a billboard doesn't want to make them call you necessarily to trust to send their child there every day. <laughs> but the good thing starting out and what you have to look at is the exposure, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody didn't see the billboard and say, oh, we're going to send our kids to school there. But they heard this person talk about it. And then they heard this person talk about it. Oh, that's the school they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Then they got the visual of the logo and what they were talking about. So it's just the constant little reminders. Just like when we first opened in Southern Pines, we did a direct mailer. I would hate direct mailers. I would never have done that. But a few of my neighbors were like, oh my gosh, was this your business? So it's like it told them about it without me being like, hey, neighbor, Uh I have this business I would like for Mm -hmm. you to support. And so they saw it there and then they saw it in this way and then they saw it here and they saw it there and it's like we weren't even open yet but people are just seeing it and so it's like in their mind so that then when their friend says oh my child goes here they're like oh yeah i saw that advertised and then they've got the logo in their mind so then yeah, a little they, brand recognition right right so like that is worth it initially starting up i think at some point but yeah seven you do years, have to reassess seven yeah. years before in. seven years <laughs> I'd recommend. yeah, yeah we, we should have we, we probably but i think there's there's the fear of losing it as well you say well you know it's it's like having all of your uh your lucky charms or whatever you want to call them, all your, all your things, right? Like, Oh no, we've been successful and uh-huh. all these things were in play. I can't take one away because what if that's the one mm-hmm. right. that sinks the ship, right? Like, okay, well we'll just leave it there and not really, you know, don't pay attention to it. Or what's going to go there instead. If I don't right. leave it. There. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I always all think. Sudden, there's some new school that pops yeah, up on right? our billboard <laughs> and you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, or I want you to talk about, oh. um, just like the initial startup of like the phases of kind of the, the ideal way to do it instead of putting all your eggs in this big, big basket and hoping Mm -hmm. that it takes off the way you think it's going to take off. Yeah. Because I like to think of my eggs being in the big, big basket. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it's going to be this thing and it's this way and it's that way. And then I work backwards from there, but 
Okay, this is what Luke was saying downstairs. He's like, people try and start off too big. Put the cart before the horse. Is that yeah. the same? Yeah, yeah, right? cart, cart before the horse. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, well, it's keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's it's saying, oh, look at this person. They're super successful doing this thing. But, you know, they're looking at the, the now, right? Like, this is where they are right now. But nobody looks at the road that it took to get there, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't know. And... The well, the I, road to get there is not often publicized. No, because it's, it's sometimes horrible, right? Like it's but, rocky and rough, yeah. and it sucks. <laughs> and and, the, and there's a lot of going backwards. Yeah, right? and there's a lot of change, and you know, yeah, like you can't, you don't start out as an Olympic athlete, right? You start out as a, somebody that sucked at doing something and then got better through, you know, all of the things, right? Yeah, it, so. I'll get into the actual details of that in a second, but I went to that leadership conference, um, the Dave Ramsey one, and there was a lady there who led the first like female team or something to climb Mount Everest. And it was the perfect visualization of what building a business is like. So when you climb Mount Everest, there's all these stopping points that you have to go to. So you go to stopping point one and you have to stay there for like a week. Then you go to stopping point two And you have to stay there for a couple days because your body has to get acclimated to it. Then you go back to stopping point one for like seven more days or 14 days or something crazy. I didn't didn't hone in on that part because I'll never do anything like that. So I didn't really (laughs) care. But then you go to stopping point two and this time you have to stay there three days. And then you go to stopping point three and you have to stay there for like a week. And when does somebody die and, at what stopping point? And then you have to go. <laughs> I feel like that's coming back to stopping point two and then all the way back to stopping point one. So it wasn't like you, you don't just yeah, go. It's not, it's not a progression linear up. Right. So you have to go backwards, just like we talked about in the time blocking workshop when you talked about the pain and the the learning is what propels you forward, mm-hmm. but you have to go back and reassess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do I need to do from this point? Okay, I'm going to go back to the basics of this. What do I need to do while I'm here? I can't just jump up to the top of Mount Everest. I'm going to have to keep going back and reassessing. And so that's, I mean, the foundations of of the business is starting a business, there are very specific things you have to do at first. And I tell all my clients, like, what's your goal with this business? Because so many people that want to be entrepreneurs are like, this idea and this idea and this idea. Uh Now I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And it's like, okay, um, I thought you were starting a business. I'll just use something, not one of my clients. um, Making tables. Why are you opening a coffee shop? That is not going to help. Well, I, I want to open it so I can make tables for it. Like, that's just an off the wall example. But it's like you have. So why, though? That would ha- be my question. Why is that the thing? Right. Is this thing not working the way that you saw it going? Right. So right. now it's like, oh, let's pivot and do this thing. And maybe this thing will be successful. Right. People do not stay laser focused on the goal or mission of their business. And so that's the number one thing. What is the mission of your business, right? If you were like, we're going to start a school, but first we're going to start with swim lessons at this place, you know, Mm -hmm. that would be something off the wall. And yeah, maybe it could bring you some clientele because they would trust you as swim instructors, but that wasn't your goal, the intent, right? The intent of the business. So you have to stay laser focused on what your intent and goal is of the business, which starts with writing 
a business plan. Yeah. Step one, opening a business, write a business plan. And then every little fun idea that you have, great. Put a pin in it, go back to your business plan. But it can change over time, right? Like as you're doing it, if you're like, oh, this is not exactly what I thought it would be, it can change. But you have to have a guidebook to know what steps to do. And you immediately need to start an LLC at EIN. Open a separate bank account for the love of everybody. Open a separate bank account. And don't use any of those funds to do anything personal. Yes. My God. Like uh, these people that... You know, and usually a CPA can fix it, but if you don't have a CPA and you're spending, you know, you're also, paying, they, they you're don't want to have your, to fix that. No, they don't want to. But also, if you're paying for, you know, uh, your child's dance lessons and for your uh, car payment, that's your personal vehicle out of your business account because you're too lazy to transfer mm-hmm. that money to your personal account, like eventually you're going to get caught. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, like that's, there are problems with that. Um, and so, you know, your CPA can fix that. But if you have somebody like maybe our first accountant who was not a CPA, she's not going to see that. You're going to show up with a stack of receipts and she's going to... In a shoebox. It was like the mafia. <laughs> Me too. I was gonna, like, what is happening? she's going to tell you some random number and some... Yeah. And then you're going to have to have a CPA then that goes back and refiles all of those taxes because the first person money. messed up. And then it costs you more. Right. Yeah. And then you'll pay penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and other things. Yeah. yeah. So in order of steps. Yeah. So in order of steps, the business plan, LLC, EIN, whatever you have to do with your state. And just so you guys know, in North Carolina, you have to do a sales and use tax. I did not know this until I hired Justine. Even if you don't sell stuff, you have to do it and file zero dollars. Mm. <laughs> so for your sales and use tax, which is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, write out the business plan, the get the separate bank account and get QuickBooks. And people are like, oh, but that's so expensive. It's not. You can get the $7 a month self-employed plan to begin with. Yeah, just to start with. Link your bank account to the self-employed plan and it automatically will start categorizing your expenses and your CPA will love you so the, much more. The places that people have cost savings or they try and like cut corners cut corners or pinch pennies in to me is just Mm mind-boggling like oh no i can do that myself i'm like jesus no don't do that (laughs) like are you kidding me and then here's the next step before social media have a website Mm. you have to have a website It's it's a real thorn in your side that one yes but it gives you credibility. If I go to buy something from someone, what am, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to Google them to look for them. And if all I see is a Facebook page or an Instagram page, th- they're not a business. Like, oh, this is just a person taking my money. Like, I don't know that they're doing it right. I don't like it builds trust. Do you have to have a website to make money? No. But does it make you look credible? Does it fulfill the need of what somebody's looking for when they're it's 11 p.m. at night and they're searching for something specific. Right. And it's not a DM me for pricing or something like that. Right. You can go do your own research and get all the information that you need from somebody's website. Right. And when people are like, DM me for pricing, I'm like, hmm. Do you, so you don't have set pricing? <laughs> like that's mm, kind of. Is that the, that's the vibe you get? Yeah. That's kind of sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess unless it was like custom order everything, you know, and, and if it's not your main 
gig, you know, I guess you could maybe get away with it. Like if, you know, you're, you're well, selling some Etsy stuff on the side, but even, even if then, you're Molly and you're making bracelets, but even, <laughs> but even then you should, you know, if, if nothing else, you should, there should be an official website that you make payments through. Right. Right. Like how, even like you say, Molly, like we're, it's not like I'm accepting your credit card over the phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Hey, yeah, give me a call and give me your credit card information. Sure. Also, um, I have an inheritance that I'd like for you to sign for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and you don't have to have pricing on the website. Like for Encore Solutions, we don't because we'll do a tailored package depending on mm-hmm. what people need. Mm-hmm. But people need to be able to see what your business is and what you do. Um, but if you're selling items or products, yes, you should have a website with those amounts on there because somebody like me doesn't want to thumb through social media to find out what the specific item I saw somebody else had cost. And then for me to have to DM you when I'm doing it at 11 o'clock at night to say, Oh, I would like this. How do I get it? Oh, here's the picture of my pricing. I posted it seven days ago on my social media. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do I order? It's just so much time. back and forth. It's like, how? oh. Well, and it's not just gosh. time, right? But how many times have I gone, and I'm telling you, this happened to me just recently. Where I, and, and unfortunately, it was like a charity site where I went on to try and send money to this charity. To the kitties? No, it was not to the kitties. It was, um, it had, I can't um. remember the name of the hospital. It was, it, <laughs> it, was a, uh, it was a children's hospital. Um, oh. but I could not get <laughs> the sweet. payment to work. That's sweet. When did you do work. that? Um, it must have been like a month or two ago when I was going down to to Alabama. Anyways, oh, okay. point was, you know, and it was it was just something that I knew somebody else that had done some some free work for them, and I read about. It and I said, oh, I'll, I'll donate some money. Um, but I wasn't able to send them a payment, right? Because mm-hmm. they were using some off the wall. Uh, mm. I don't even know what what it program was probably they were using. something that didn't and charge it, a bunch of fees. And it, yeah, and it just it would not load. And after a while, I said, mm. "Okay, well, I've spent thirty minutes trying to give you money because you didn't want to use Venmo or something easy where you just push the button that says pay, right? And you ended up not making any money because. But it that was is too a time thing. But that's how much exactly time do you right. want your clients, your customers, to have to fumble through things to figure out and navigate? You're going to lose them. Right. But and for me, for the business owner, how much time does it take to you to reply to every DM back and forth? Mm-hmm. When if you would have paid, gosh, I can't even think of what the cheapest website is. It's really cheap though. If you would have, you can even get them free as long as you like leave their thing on it that yeah. says like strikingly or Wix or whatever. It's free. Mm-hmm. If you would have had the website set up where I could click on it, pay, you would have gotten the sale right then and it would have not have taken any of your time to get the sale. But like I'm looking for a quick answer of, oh, I I need to get all my neighbors a cute little Christmas present. I just want to go online and buy it and then go pick it up tomorrow. Yeah. And to me, it's even better if you don't have to put credit card information in, right? Like why is Amazon so convenient? Because, oh. This thing popped up. Let me click on it. Buy now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we have so, zero patience anymore. But it's true. I right? know. You have to. You we have want to what we want, and we want it now. Customer to want to buy it immediately, and if there's a whole bunch of other steps that they've got to go through, maybe they will, but some won't, and then you have to figure out like, well, how many people am I losing uh, by adding in like, oh, I've got to get my credit card out now. I've got to fill out, you know, all of my life's information, and then wait for that stupid circle, and then 
you know, six captures later, are you a real person and not a robot? <laughs> and then it says, oh, it took too long. And then you're like, by that point, you're just like, you know what? I, I don't have time for this. You know, yeah. the Moving irony on. in this conversation, though, is that neither of our businesses can you just click a button and sign up for. But we're not selling can a product. I? Well, not a product, but you can sign up for classes for me right away. Well, yeah, but you have to put in all your, you have to put in your kids' information, oh, their yeah. birthday. You have to scroll through the classes. You have to pick the class. Does it match the time of day that I need? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little different when you're selling a service. No, it right? is. I'm just it'd saying the like, irony like, that we're <laughs> talking <laughs> about this is like. It's just because I recently had frustrations with it. when yeah. We're talking like, about the, it from a consumer standpoint. Yes. Right. From, right. And, and. But we also have a website. And we're also talking See. about, we, we literally just talked about this for Molly's stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, if you want somebody to be able to buy something, it's got to be easy. Yes. Like if, if it's complicated, then you're going to maintain you know a certain customer base, but you're also going to lose some people because yeah, we're, we're impatient. Like, everything is immediate, right? Like, do it now, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the, like the sales model now, right? Like mm-hmm. I want it. I want it now. That's the everything model. Yeah. I want to be in shape. I want it now. I don't want to do all these things that Kelsey tells me to do to have to be healthy. Yes. You know, Just like uh, I've not eaten breakfast yet. She would be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I don't want wrinkles anymore and, or I'm 11 and I have a skincare routine. It's like, yeah, everything we want and we want it right this moment. Yeah. So a website. Yes. And then bef- if you're opening a brick and mortar before you open, you have to figure out how you're going to pay for all those expenses and you have to get a cushion before you open. So what steps are you going to put into place? Well, to can get- we back up from there? Yeah. How do you know you need a brick and mortar? Ooh. So I've seen this business model, a lot of mistakes here, even in our County. What is making their business successful? And it's not Opening a brick and mortar is not what it is. So many, like for instance, food trucks, so many food trucks are like, we're going to open a brick and mortar and then their brick and mortar closes down. The reason you were successful was because you could go to people mm-hmm. <laughs> and offer something unique. And then if you take that away, because the brick and mortar is going to take so much time and expense and you know, only be in one location and only be in one location that might not be where they want it. Yeah. Yeah that happens all the time, but the brick and mortar. Yeah. It depends on what the service you're giving or what product. I mean, if you're going to be making food, well, you might need a brick and mortar <laughs> for that. If you're preparing food, cause you need to have the health and part expect it and, or a food truck, whatever. But yeah, determining whether or not the cost of the brick and mortar is worth growing the business is the biggest thing. There's a lot of businesses you do not need a brick and mortar. And there's a lot of businesses that are more successful, like a food truck that can often be more successful because they're not a brick and mortar. Yeah. And so it would kind of be the same idea of how you started mm-hmm. starting smaller with what you have and building a clientele and then saying, okay, do I need to expand into a brick and mortar? And then how much time and how many clients do I need to cover that brick and mortar? Mm-hmm. And, and go from there. And only looking at yourself. Right. Not counting on other people necessarily. Yes, you will need other people to help you with your business. And especially if you want it to grow. But what can you yourself do? Because when it's your business, nobody's going to do it the way you will do it. <laughs> so what can you yourself do to cover those expenses? Right. And in the beginning, for sure, like who's going to 
clean? Who's going to open in the morning? Who's going to close? What happens if your kids get sick? Do you have backup childcare? Because you're the one who's going to have to be there when somebody else gets sick and you have to show up. Mm-hmm. What are the lights going to cost? What's the upfit? What's the water? What's the insurance? All the things that people kind of gloss over. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what's the next level of expansion, right? Because if you put $100,000 into upfitting a building and you've signed a multi-year lease, you know, you're, you're going to have to say, okay, well, unless I'm going to stay in this building, right, you're essentially going to lose that money, whatever you put into that building, right, if you move out of it because you're leasing it. And so you have to think, okay, what's my, what's my, that's my next step, but what's my third, you know, second, third, fourth step? Like, where am I two years, five years, 10 years from now? And, you know, and maybe sometimes you're saying like, okay, well, we're, you know, we need to build capital, right? And I guess we can do that now. And we can say, okay, this money is going to be a loss because we're building capital to make our next move. But you have to, you can't have not thought about it, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, upfit, upfits are huge. Remember when we were talking about that building over there off the, off of uh, 87 and it was like a hundred thousand dollar upfit. And they say, oh, that's fine. We'll just roll it into your lease. But that's a hundred thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's not coming back. That's not that's money that's gone. And here's the deal with the upfitting thing. A whole nother free advice. Um, the I just had an opportunity to expand in Cameron, and somebody's putting in a building, and the use of space is recreational. So they're like, "Oh, this would be perfect." I really considered it. I went and got the numbers for the upfitting. Yes, hundred sixty-six thousand dollars to upfit. They're like, okay, well, we can work with you. We'll help cover some of it, put it into your rent. But rent goes up by percentages every year. So you either need to pay that up front and have the cheaper rent or know that for the rest of the time you're there, you're literally paying interest on the upfit. Because and, yeah, they're and like, when you leave, you paid to mm-hmm. upfit their building. Mm-hmm. Right. At the and end then, of the day, it's yeah. not yours. And the next person will pay again to re-upfit that building. Right. You know? Yeah. And so it's better to pay it up front or to get an alternate loan to upfit it. But I don't I I don't like loans and I don't like doing all of that. I'm like, well, I can't afford that right now until I save the money. Or yes, doing what you guys said, we've got to move money around. Where do we have other assets mm-hmm. that we can sell off or rework? And it's just like um, But that also has to make sense. Yeah. For right. one to five years to figure out like, okay, then what do we need to have incoming to support that? Is that realistic? Mm-hmm. Not a pipe dream. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to be, you know, super successful right off the bat. Or I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people want to be super successful right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how do you how do you get there? You know, like, she's, like Caitlin said, is it a pipe dream? Well, I mean, we could... Uh, you know, throw caution to the wind and we could have dumped a bunch of money in there um, and we could have upfit that building, right? And it might not have worked out. Um, but then we or don't, it might we don't have but, then, out. but then we don't have a nest egg to right. recover. Like then you don't have that. Right. We, we could have pulled all of our funds and said, okay, fine, we'll pay this up front. We, we're not going to get a loan. We'll pay the lease, pay this up front. But then where's the... Where's the just in case money, right? Where's the, hey, when COVID hits and we take a 50% hit overnight, how do you keep the lights on? Right. Right. Because nobody, 
you know, like we said, like I said, you know, at the beginning, there was a center around the corner from us that had been open for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. And that thing hit and overnight it was gone. Well, and that's also the thing I think in a lot of businesses, when you keep doing the thing that's been working for you for 50 years, and then when something unexpected happens and you aren't looking at it in an innovative way to say, okay, well, how can I continue doing what we do really well and innovate instead of, oh, I'm just going to keep doing the thing that's been working and not know how to do anything differently. And then all of a sudden you close down because you don't have that safety net and you don't know how to innovate when things happen that are unexpected. Right. How to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of the people we've had on our podcast either started right before or during COVID. And that's why they're successful. They were creative. Like, how can I use this crappy situation to be creative? Hey, I do like that COVID has started these remote days because this horrible rainy <laughs> weather that we had to cancel school for today. So Listen, we have to go off the forecast the day before. I know. I know. And if we were open right now, it would be a wild storm happening. Yeah. And we'd have the to school shut would school like down. blow over <laughs> into the street with kids. But since we closed, we kept it mild for you guys. Thank you. <laughs> no, but that's one of the good things that came out of it is the remote learning. Cause they're like, tomorrow's going to be a remote learning day. Do all the work your teachers sent home. And mm-hmm. I asked my kids, I was like, what did your teachers send home? And Ethan goes, I have two math problems and I have to listen or watch this YouTube video. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. But now we don't have to cut into spring break because we have a remote learning right. day. Right. Anyways, all that to say, have a nest egg of three months worth of expenses. At Minimum. least. At least. Because COVID was supposed to be what? Flatten the curve. <laughs> Yeah. Two weeks, guys. Yeah. I don't, Two weeks. I, I've honestly, I've kind of erased most of what happened during that. I know we were just talking about it the other night. And I was like, I should have journaled all of this because, because this is a historic event that would have been really great. I made my kids journal. My, kid, my kids did too a little bit, but I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any extra brain capacity to, <laughs> to journal. journal. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I was stuck in another state. Like, okay. Like, Threatened um, not be able to yeah, come home. Like, can't come home. Just For a little while, you had both kids with you, too. And yeah. I was here solo yeah. running the school. But also, when things happen that are unexpected, you also have to be willing to do the things that you thought you would never do. Like, we had to lay staff off. Yeah. And be willing to do that and head first into the unknown of like, okay, I don't really know what this is going to look like, but I know that I have to do this now in order to survive the long term. Right. And that didn't last very long, but no, but we didn't know how long it would to, last. Not to toot our own horn, but that was the reason that we had uh, expenses covered, right? At least your hard bills, right? Because if you lay staff off, your um, your payroll, you know, adjusts based on how much staff mm-hmm. is there, but your your mortgage your uh, electricity, insurance. your insurance, you know, all the things that don't go away, you have to be able to pay those for a few months. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't, then it doesn't matter. Like you're done. Right. Right. Like you can lay off everybody and you still can't make it. And the bank's coming for your stuff. And you have to think on your feet. Like they were like, you're going to close. And oh me gosh, and all my dance teachers I said, okay, tomorrow is a work day. <laughs> I don't, I don't care if you want to wear a mask or not, but tomorrow is a work day. We stayed all day recorded for 12 hours classes. So, which is a really innovative thought on the spot, on the spot. So, but it was expected too. 
everybody at home was like expecting all these businesses and educational institutions to know exactly what to do like the very next day. Mm -hmm. There was, I don't know if you felt that pressure. We did. I was like, okay, how are we going to even do this? Like, let's get on Zoom. Let's do these things. There was all these expectations, but we were like, um, we've never done this either. Yeah. This is new to us. Yeah. But so we had already 12 hours worth of curriculum recorded right away. Like you have to, you had to be creative mm-hmm. and, and think on your feet and it had to get back to square one. I was teaching again. Yeah. I taught virtually out of my house again, mm-hmm. sitting at my piano, making my kids go in a different room and close the door and be quiet and not bother me, loading them up with unhealthy snacks to leave me alone. And there I was in front of a computer screen teaching. Yeah. Like back to week one of opening. Right. <laughs> brick and mortar. So, so yeah, you've got to decide what your business model is and whether or not brick and mortar could hurt or help it. So for some models, it's going to hurt it. Because well, I think there's a big allure to having a brick and mortar because it makes you feel like, oh, this is the next step. And now I'm established and now I'm successful because I have a storefront. I have my logo on this. Mm-hmm. People can come in and see me. But all of a sudden you're giving up $5,000 to pay your, just your rent, let alone your upfit or anything when you could have been making so much more if you would have just stayed virtual online. Also, this is where a financial advisor comes in and you take them your financial spreadsheets and they assess whether or not a brick and mortar could help or hurt you. But sometimes people don't want to do that because they don't want to see the honest truth. They want to stick to the vision that they have in their mind and while it may not be realistic, they're like, no, this is, this is what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. Yeah. And, because and this is the show that I want to kind of put on. This is the success. That's what they define success as. Is yeah. A brick and mortar. When right. Really. I mean, not required. Actors are successful. They don't have brick and mortars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of jobs. <laughs> well, think of a lot of um, like retail online yeah. boutiques and stuff like that. It's a perfect example. I know many, Um, or a few owners that have had really successful online businesses and they think the next step is to open a brick and mortar and they get in there and then the rent is raised after two years and you start to see the prices of their clothing go up and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's $72 for a sweater when this used to be like 48. Mm -hmm. And all you could think of, well, I think of as a consumer is like, oh, their overhead is going up and they can't support this. So they're going to have to charge so much more for this item And then it's unsustainable. People Mm -hmm. aren't going to buy it anymore because they can go somewhere else online to buy the same thing for $20 cheaper because that person doesn't have the overhead. Yeah. And, and, you know, market saturation is a problem too, right? Like how many of these businesses are here, right? Look around, walk downtown. Are there boutiques everywhere? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, and so you're going to have to figure out who is your client base and on percentages, like, how do you set yourself apart from somebody else, right? And and just based on the percentage of, you know, customers that are going to come through your, you know, your street, your neighborhood, whatever, um, how much of that business is going to go to you, right? Because I, I feel like you see a lot of businesses that are similar pop up, like, oh, this person's successful, so I'm going to do that. But you still have the same customer base, right? There's still the same amount of people spending the same amount of money. And now there's one more thing. And can you do it right? Especially, yeah, you could, especially if you can go in and say like, oh, I can see how I could do this better and make, you know, B 
be successful where someone else isn't because of innovation. But if you're not like, like you said earlier, if you're not able to innovate and your business model is not such that you can, you know, flex and, and make money where others can't, then you're just, you know, you're taking the pie and making yeah. all the slivers smaller. Um, and, and then, then what happens, right? And that, that could be a whole nother podcast about how to choose <laughs> where to put a brick and mortar. Like that is essential. If you are going to do a brick and mortar, it's about location. Mm-hmm. So many people take the cheap way or they take the popular way. Just like, yeah. Do you think another boutique downtown Southern Pines could be successful? Possibly, but it would have to be completely different than what's already offered there because these current people already have loyal customers. So either A, you're going to hurt these businesses by pulling the funds to another place or not be successful yourself because they're already loyal to this other place. Or you're offering something way too similar. I think the diversity as far as boutiques downtown is pretty significant. Yeah, Yeah, right now. And also not to hammer on boutiques downtown because honestly, like, no, I think, I, I, I think, think the way it is right now is, is perfect. Yes. It's yes. great. But you see these other ones popping up in kind of like these obscure locations and you're like, how much foot traffic do you get? Right. You right. have to do so much social media marketing to get these people to come to these new places. They're not just walking by. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, and that's also a good point, right? Like remember the outlet malls that you like, well, in California is the only time that I, I shouldn't say it's the only time we've been to some outlet malls, mm-hmm. other places, but I feel like California probably because it's sunny 364 days yeah you're a mile from the beach you've got the beach on this side and you have the flower fields on this side it's it kind of makes sense right if if that is the location that people are going to shop and maybe that's the way people feel about you know say downtown southern pines right it's like okay well this is where we go to the boutiques right Mm -hmm. um and and I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on women's clothing. I have no, I have no idea. You are uh, like, uh, you know, yoga pants are great. Outside of that, I don't know. But all the current ones, they are successful because they're so. Thank you for not wearing those shorts today. By the way, I would be real uncomfortable. I, well, shorts. I almost changed into them when I was downstairs. You know, stop it. The ranger panties. One day, Sarah showed up, and Luke was just in his ranger panties. Like, no big deal. You didn't think anything well, of that. First of all, they can't be ranger panties because I was never a ranger. Okay, but uh, but that's yeah, like what the, people know them. Are they called the, pilot panties? Pilot <laughs> panties. Ooh. Oh, pilots don't wear panties. Okay, so I've got a new business idea for you. Ooh, the pilot the panties. Pilot, what would those look like? I don't know. Oh, God. No. <laughs> I don't want to know, actually. You might have to have like a pea cup in them. <laughs> Oh God, this is gonna. This is, you know, I, I don't know how much everybody wants to hear about all the things. Yeah. Um, oh, the pilot pee pee panties. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe they're called diapers. <laughs> Ast- astronauts. There's already them. depends, depends for that. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Why did they name it depends? Because they're dependable. Yeah. Oh. You can depend on them okay. to hold your. I was thinking like it depends on what you want to do. <laughs> do you want to stop or not? <laughs> thinking it like depends is it a number one or number two yeah. <laughs> depends on how important this meeting is gross awful okay, okay. anyway so yeah yes. so brick and mortar so brick and mortar yes but yeah no the current setup is great but if somebody were to go down there and set up one of the same exact stores that would not go well relationship wise or business wise necessarily so you got to define your market and well, and define what success where. is for you. Right. Would you rather give up, you know, $5,000 a month to have a storefront mm-hmm. versus being successful and keeping that $5,000 to 
profit or reinvest into your business? Like, what is it worth to have a storefront to maybe get, I don't know, who knows? I don't even know what the the percentage of profit would be if you had a brick and mortar, but you have to figure all of that out. How many more people would walk by my place? What more exposure would I get? Blah, blah, blah. And that's why businesses need a business account because guess what? People don't know this. You get free financial advising from your bank if you have a business account with them. You better really like your bank and the people that advise there then. Yeah. Mm. You got to choose carefully, which yeah. means talk to other business owners and find out where. Where they bank. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay. So figuring out a brick and mortar. Yeah. Figuring out a brick and mortar. Was there a step? <laughs> I don't One, know. two, three, four, five. If, Did I you feel write like all this down? Because no. I cannot keep track of where we are. No. That, this is how this happens. <laughs> I feel. Bing, 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 bing. From this point on, it's so variant based on the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's just going to be so variant. So I think really deciding, you know, in the process, what makes you successful and making the right decisions and staying. I think all it really boils down to staying fine tuned to your mission and goals and vision of your business and not diverting off getting distracted getting distracted yeah well yeah and the perpetual growth model um works in you know what you know bull market or you know in good times i guess um but right sizing your business i think is important too right like if you're borrowing money to expand planning on everything going swimmingly for ever like i think you're probably setting yourself up for failure and i think a lot of businesses as soon as the markets take a turn um you know and we talk about market uh, i'm talking about markets as far as like you know the stock market and all that stuff but also you know just as far as the economy goes if the economy takes a turn can you uh withstand you know a x percentage of downturn right can i can i withstand a 25% reduction in income and if the answer is no, you might want to rethink expansion, right? Because if that happens and all of a sudden you start operating in the red, maybe you, you, know, you say you've got three months, but you're operating the red by a little bit every month for a year, right? And what, where are you going to be in a year? What's your, what are your accounts going to look like, right? Are you able to overcome that? And if the answer is no, then, you know, to me, you're kind of, you're operating with the assumption that nothing is ever going to go down, right? Like we're just going to, we're going to ride this rocket ship, you know, perpetually up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not realistic, right? Maybe it's kind of been realistic over the last 15, 20 years, right? We had that hiccup in 2006 to 2008. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it's like, I feel like a lot of modern, or I shouldn't say modern businesses, but businesses that have opened within the last 15 years just think like, oh, this thing's, the economy's just going to keep on going forever. And they kind of ignore the things that happened before. Well, right? minus COVID, there hasn't really been anything in 2008. But And even COVID wasn't, I mean, it wasn't what it should have been. They printed trillions of dollars to keep everything afloat, right? And, and yeah. you know, and, and so now you look at it and you say, okay, if the Fed continues to increase rates, right, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything there is about finances, but if they keep doing what they're doing and money continues to be harder to get, right, and more expensive to borrow, and you're operating off of, you know, uh, having to borrow money to expand to keep your business going, uh, is it likely that you can continue? Um, if rates don't come back down and if money doesn't become easier to get. And I don't know, you know, I guess it would depend on your business, but to me, that's not a safe 
way to proceed with your business, right? Like I like knowing that if we lose 25% of our customers that we could still keep the doors open, right? Mm -hmm. And we could still weather that storm. Um, you know, but that comes down to not borrowing money that you don't have to and not expanding arbitrarily just to, because you think bigger is better, right? Because how many times have we talked about like, okay, what are our waiting lists, right? How, how many people, you know, if, if we meet the need of every person on our waiting list, what risk comes with that, right? Because what happens when the waiting list shrinks and now mm -hmm. we have all this overhead and mm -hmm. all these new loans that we can't afford. And you've hired new people that right. now expect to keep a position. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, is it fair to you as a business owner? Is it fair to your staff? Is it fair, you know, to the people that are coming to your business? Right. Because then the other option is like, okay, um, we had a downturn. Now we've got to increase prices for everybody else to try and cover the difference. Right. And, and eventually, you know, you're in a spot where it's just not sustainable anymore. Uh, or I should say that I shouldn't say that because maybe it is. I don't know. But I don't like having the I don't like having that kind of like looming. Right. Like, OK, well, are we going to be able to weather a, an economic downturn? And so I, I think that when people plan on expansion, right, and a brick and mortar is expansion, if you have an at home business, Right, you have to be able to plan on things going sideways and having a COVID like event happen. And you have to be able to plan for that event, you know, or the black swan, as they call it, right? Which you technically can't plan. I, I don't, I think that's what they say is you can't plan for the black swan. Anyways, point is like winter is coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but, you know, how do you set yourself up to likely be successful when others are going under? Here's, I think a lot of people overcomplicate everything too. Like they're looking into stuff too much and really overcomplicate it. If I make a financial decision of expansion or growth or something for me, that's like, am I going to buy a new dance floor? Like that can be 15 to $30,000. Am I going to buy it? Well, how much time and how many students would it cost for me to pay that back off? Then you just have to come up with a plan. Okay, if I buy the dance floor, I can add this many more dance classes. Am I able to add that based on my wait list? Is that going to cost me more? Yes, because I'm also going to have to hire staff to teach those dance right. classes. But it's simple. You just look at the math, look at the numbers, see how much you need to cover it. Can you? Yes. Yeah. No? Okay. Then you don't do it. <laughs> right. And, what, and what's the ROI, right? The return right. on investment. You say okay, well, it's going to take me a year to break even mm -hmm. based on based on the increases in numbers, the cost, the downtime, the staffing. Like, and how much does it cost to not add that? Well, we're making it fine without it. But if I do add that, I can eventually make this much more. Like that's how we did in Cameron. We started with one studio, then we expanded to a second studio in there. Then we expanded to a third and then moved to the second. So we have three big ones all next to each other. If I wouldn't have expanded, I could have only kept serving the number of students right. Right. we were serving. But, but there was a demand there. But there was a demand. And so you have to just not overcomplicate it and not do the cost analysis. And I do think people should make financial goals and do the cost analysis. But at the same time, if your business is headed towards a path of success and you stay on the path but willing to pivot when necessary – then the financial stuff will come and the financial things will happen as long as you don't make stupid 
decisions along the way and you're saving and you're realistic about what you should be spending on and what you shouldn't. Um, and like a, a whole seminar I listened to was about finances and it was like, if you're focused on growth in your business, the finances will come, not just the numbers because the numbers, a lot of times you're going to make bad decisions. <laughs> well, and growth doesn't just mean bringing in more revenue or, mm -hmm expanding growth comes in all different ways. Do you do this one thing really well? And then you added in this thing to this thing to make it even better. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean, Oh, we got more students or we sold more products. It's like, or we got a brick and mortar. Well, right. right. Yeah. Added value. Right. Yes. Like, okay. How do I set myself apart? And does that justify in, you know, if it's service based, right. What's it, you know, does, what justifies an increase in, uh, in what your customers will pay you based on the added value, right? Like, are you, in our case, are you someplace where you're just going to drop your kid off and your kid is going to survive the day and you're going to come pick them up and, you know, 95% of the time they're going to survive? Some of them. To be clear, so, that's you're not talking about us. You're talking about our industry. We're not talking. Yes, we're, we're talking. Let's not be talk, clear. Not, <laughs> not talking about our business, but you know, like there, there's a difference in the level of service that you're going to get at different places, mm -hmm. right? There's a difference between going to a Motel Six and you know going to stay at a, a luxury resort somewhere, right? Um, staying at the Vanderbilt Estate up in uh, in Asheville, right? You. You pay a different amount, although both of them have beds and showers. Yeah. They are not the same. And so the added value that, you know, that you're kind of talking about, like how do you set yourself apart, right? That also drives um, income, right? Mm -hmm. Outside, of, you, you still have the same number of beds, right? But, you know, why is it that people will pay more for this versus this? Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to the little things, right? The small additions, um, and yes, no, I was not talking. And, and, <laughs> it's like, whoa, and, whoa, whoa. and also, <laughs> I, it's, you know, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I'm sure that all your children will survive at some of these centers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it does come down to added value. The, the little additions that you make the company culture, whether or not people enjoy being there that do provide the service to the clients. Yeah. Right? Cause when you go to a business, like we had breakfast yesterday and I was like, this waitress hates her job, uh -huh. right. right? It's yeah. And you feel that and you don't anywhere you go, you're going for an experience unless you're driving through like McDonald's. Okay. You are going, even then you get an experience, but you're really just wanting something quick and fast. But when we go out to dinner, when we go to, um, a dance studio, when we walk into a retail space, we, go there and have an experience. And it's from the time somebody greets you to the time you check out and walk out of that store. Mm -hmm. For us, obviously, it's a much more depth because we have their kids all day long and there's right. so much communication and everything. But that's all an experience. And so the people who deliver that experience will make or break that. Right. And that's why initially you have to do it because you're the main one yes. that cares about it. And until you bring on people that care as much as you. I, I don't believe that you ever will bring on well, anybody who cares as much as you do. As it's like much. not, I don't think it's no, possible it, yeah. well, and unless it, you get a partner. And, and if you are, then you should really rethink yourself as a business owner. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because if that's the case, if someone else cares more about your business than you, then you might be time for you to find a new business. Right. And sell um, it to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 or sell a them a portion of it. Right. Um, yeah. Because you know, it, they're, or pay them a shit ton more. Yeah, or something, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, 
Jinx. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about the the culture code. Um, we haven't talked about the book on the podcast, but uh, the culture yeah. code is yeah, a, it's a, it's a, a good really one, good one. A good one to read, you know, talks about the, you know, the culture and successful modern businesses, right? Um, but anyways, just... We I can talk about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to jump too far into <laughs> Another it. Another time. Yeah. It's, it's, Round it's, two it's with Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Quarterly. Quarterly's with Luke. I don't think so. <laughs> You it's a whole, it. new, whole new thing. <laughs> we'll do coffee and mimosas, quarterlies with Luke. I'm still sweating. We'll have, you're water, still sweating. Water and protein shakes. Water and protein <laughs> shakes yeah, with Luke. <laughs> and athletic greens. <laughs> Ele- el- what is Element. 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 Yeah. Element. Throw that in that's, there, too. That's another good one. Those yeah. are good. Plug I like them. Things. You're the one that got me on those. I like them. And oh, really? Kelsey told me yeah. I should drink them, too. Yeah. They're good. I, try I like and, the watermelon. Uh, yeah. I, I like the watermelon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and drink them after drinking my coffee because I realize it's a diuretic and it's. <sighs> yeah. Speaking of. Not. I know. Not I really got to pay. <laughs> I better go. <laughs> well, this is fun. Thanks for spontaneously coming up. And yeah. We talked about a million different things, but hopefully gave some guidance of. Yeah, we winged it today. What steps to take, not putting the cart before the horse and assessing when it's time to make the next decision or growth or not. So covered a lot of things in an hour and a half. Did. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, you're you're welcome. We've been asking him for six months to come on and today we forced him. We forced him. He had to do a costume change. Yeah. For sweating. Yeah, I was super sweaty and I still am. Go drink your elements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cheers some element downstairs. <laughs> All, right. All right. Happy Monday. Bye. Bye. Bye.